in the locker room with Dungeon Wolf and Matt Williamson. We're back to normal, uh, normal stuff in the SNR studio. Yeah, which includes no air conditioning. What's up with this? <laughs> I've just about had it. Very Can't. minimal air conditioning at most. Yeah, what's right. going on with this? I'm, I, we got Lam Martino over here. Let's 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 double team them. All right, <laughs> we're gonna pile drive. We got we want air conditioning. We'll start a chant. This 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 particular studio gets a little warm, especially after a few bodies have been in it. It does. Should, it really late does. Late in the day when the sun's beating in too, it it gets a little toasty. See, here. this is what happened at St. Vincent. When yeah. I was in Bonaventure Hall, okay? Bonaventure Hall sits so that as the sun rises, it's uh, the east or something. You know, whatever I, that was. Yeah, whatever it is. Right, I can't right. remember the poem that says east to the you know, all that. <laughs> but anyhow, you know, the sun rises up, and it beats on the front of the dorm the whole like day, and then, of course, goes passes over. Sure. So the front of Bonaventure Hall used to be about 10 degrees hotter than the back end. A oh, Bonaventure Hall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It just you just heats know? up like a stove. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So they used to stick all the rookies and the second-year guys <laughs> on the front of the you know, the, the, the building, yep. and the vets took the cooler spots in the back. And you had to go get a fan. You know, the one thing about it, when you talk to uh, the guys, like I, I've, I've had an interview in, uh, with Jack Ham and Delton Hall this past weekend, you know, as, yeah. as we did things over at, at, the, uh, at Heinz Field. But the thing about it was, you know, when I asked them about their their thing on training camp, it always started with, well, you had to go get a fan. (laughs) Step one. Step one. Yeah. Get a fan because you're going to make sweat angels on your bed. You know what I mean? (laughs) I'm not sure this studio is that bad, but compared to other studios, it's a little toasty in here. Real quick, I always think about this when you mention things like that. Like, I love that the Dolphins designed their stadium the way they did. So the opponent – just bakes in the sun. Oh, yeah. You know, like the sun comes straight over and just goes right at the, the visitor's bench the whole time while the the dolphins have their back to the sun and it's all shade. You know, the, the it's perfect. I mean, it's such an advantage. I love it. Well, think about it. When we played in – I, I played in – what's that called? The It was Joe Robbie Stadium, Pro Player Park. Yeah, it's had a um, few names. Now it's Hard Rock. Right, yeah, yeah. Right. Well, the Orange Bowl was another stadium. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, now the Orange Bowl – had no air conditioning in the visitor locker room. <laughs> oh, that was a sweat box. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's just that was wrong. That you, was just wrong. Do you have any other visiting locker room stories? Um, oh, Cleveland was the worst. Really bad. Cleveland, huh? because the old Cleveland Memorial Stadium was both a baseball and football stadium. Okay. Now they yeah, had right, right. the visiting locker room was a baseball locker room. I mean, it's you built for twenty some guys, or yeah. Right, I mean, right. it was built for twenty some guys, not fifty three or forty five ball players at that time. You knew you were a veteran when you got your own locker because normally you were jammed in with with at least one other guy, if not yeah. two others. And and here's the thing that I was about to met. Um, it was obvious that the because you would walk down the, the the tunnel and come up the steps through the dugout to come onto the field. Okay. okay, the baseball dugout. Through the dugout, okay. Right. Now, the problem was baseball players obviously did not go all the way up to the locker room when they had to relieve themselves. Okay. <laughs> and they just walked into the tunnel and relieved themselves. Take care of business, I, right. Yes, took care of business. You know how bad that stunk? And it wasn't like the the, the the secret bathroom behind the Steelers bench where there was a nice little bathroom there. Right, no, there no, 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 no. Maybe no. a drain or something. No, no. That, it's just a and puddle. It's, did I tell you it stunk? <laughs> <laughs> and here's the other thing that's worse. It gets worse. The shower, you had to go in shifts because it was so small. Yeah. Right? So you, the thing would clog up and overflow with water, and then it, would, I, it was it was horrid. Just it's horrid. Bad. I wasn't a player, but I have one story from my time at Pitt. was playing at Notre Dame two of the three years. The visiting locker room shocked me how bad it was. I mean, like – Players had pads on top of pads. There were nails on the wall to hang your jerseys. Even the coaches, you know how there's a coach's locker right. room too? Two of us could shower at the same time. And the coaching staff, there's 15 people or so. Right. There was, we all, there was like three of us to do a locker. And there was not enough room for everybody. Right. Here's the worst one is our coaches that were in the booth when, you know, like halftime or whatever. Halftime ends, they go on the elevator, go down. They walk outside of the stadium. Somebody picks you up in a golf cart, goes all the way around the stadium, and then lets you in. Well, it just so happened that guy in the golf cart wasn't there. And oh, no. <laughs> people are yelling at you as you're buzzing around in your pit gear. Like, there was no, 
and they to get that that was the only way to get there was you had to go outside of the stadium where there's that's fans so and bad, people man. yelling at you. That and is just so you bush. Have no time, right? It's horrible. I was shocked. I mean, uh, you hear rumors about bad, you know, situations for opposing, you know, but this is Notre Dame. I mean, come on, be somewhat respectable. Well, let me tell you something. <laughs> This is a great story. I'm, I'm getting like <laughs> I didn't really plan on going that. down this road. I didn't, uh, yes, this was not it. in my, my prep notes for today. <laughs> for today. All right, we lost at Seattle. All right, now mm-hmm. one of the things you got to be careful of because nowadays they always have, you know, as you said, they have a shower for coaches and yeah, right. players separate. Uh, Seattle in the kingdom, they didn't. Really? Um, I didn't know that, right? We lost, and I walked by Chuck Knoll in, in the locker room, walked by him, and I heard the press conference because they didn't have a press conference room. Okay. Okay? So as I walked by, I heard him say the infamous words, we were out physical. Oh. We didn't win the battle of hitting, which you know is a buzzword that next week is going to be a nightmare. Long week tra- practice, I It's going to be yeah. tra- like training camp in the middle of the season. It's going to be one-on-ones. It's going to be fights. It's going to be extra conditioning. It's going to be an extra half hour of padded practice and everything. It's going to be all these things. And so I walked in the shower, and I'm like, I can't believe it. Yeah, I just – and Tunch is in the shower next to me, right? I'm like complaining. I go, you should have heard. I heard Chuck. I heard, you know, Chuck Chuck's sitting there. He's going, you know, we lost the battle of hitting. We lost, oh, and, no. and Tunch right. is looking at me all of a sudden, and he, he like just – has these wide eyes, and he just turns away. And I'm like going, what's the matter? I, uh, I turn around, and it chucks right behind me in the shower. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, said, ah. I, I said, oh, and okay, you're right, coach. <laughs> what are you going to say? Didn't think you'd be there, right? Yeah. I had no idea. Oh, it was horrible. That's right. It was just horrible. I actually have a quick Chuck Knoll story from when I was at the Hall of Fame this weekend. It has nothing to do with showers, I no, hope. And I hope okay, not. Okay, we're right. going to leave that behind. I ran into a bunch of high school coaches, longtime retired high school coaches from Maslin, Ohio. They're kind of like a, a historic uh, high school. And he said, oh, you're from the Steelers. i got to tell you guys a story. It's out of the blue. There was a five of them around. They're like, we came to a coach's convention here, I don't know, 40, 50 years ago or whatever. And there was a bunch of guys t- coaching or talking. And Chuck Knoll was at the podium for an hour and a half, you know, doing a coaching clinic. He was the headliner, of course, at that point. And he said all he talked about for an hour and a half was knee bend and leverage. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's all we talked about for an hour and a half. And we were oh, mesmerized by it. And absolutely. Just, you know, like. It's if, that simple. <laughs> if I heard I mean? it once, I heard it a thousand, a thousand and one times. Under and up, the one, yeah, who, right, the yeah, rising yeah. blow wins. Mm-hmm. Under and up, under and up. Matter of fact, somebody came up with an old Chuck Knoll picture of him as a Cleveland Brown player. Remember, he played for the Browns. Sure, sure. He was a guard, right? Yeah, he was. A, he was a guard, which is why I think he was the hardest on me. <laughs> yeah, I'm probably <laughs> he's yeah. one of the guards, you know. But. Um, and it was he was he was not demonstrating a rising blow. He was getting stuffed or something like that. Oh, and, really? and somebody put it on the locker and said, "Rising blow," <laughs> <laughs> and it was just like one of those old little digs. Yeah. But the important thing to remember, the lesson of today is: remember, if you're going to complain, make sure that you're in separate showers from the. Yeah, coaches. really. You so they don't didn't expect that, that was a bad move. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't scout that one out ahead of time, didn't, right? Didn't scout that one out ahead of time. All right, so <laughs> moving along to more pertinent matters. Yeah, and one right, of the right. more pertinent matters, of course, was <laughs> the Hall of Fame. And what a spectacular. Can you. I, I can't even imagine going back to um, anything other than what they did this past weekend. What a spectacular weekend. Yeah. I mean, unfortunately, they had to combine two classes, of course, right. because of the COVID situation. And before that. They realized there was such a backlog that they had to, you know, get the Donnie shells in that had been waiting and all that. So it was a unique class, and then it was another unique year on top of that. And it was super unique for our audience because there were so many Steelers involved too. Five of them going in. I mean, there was so much black and gold up there all weekend. It was it was a how. I mean, it was a hoot. It It was was really a. It was a joyous occasion. Yeah, you know and. You know, you go all the way back to Troy Polamalu. When Troy dropped the hair, you know, yeah. let his hair down, so to speak, uh, to Alan Fanica's great speech last night to see um, Sidney Nunn, Bill Nunn's daughter, mm-hmm. so graciously, uh, you know, unveiling the the uh, the the, uh, bil- the bust of, of Bill Nunn. Man, oh man, I'm just yeah. I just Donnie thought Shell that was, was excellent. Oh, and, and Cower Donnie, was the yes. You know, Cower brought it all home. He was the grand finale on Saturday. It was too, just so it was spectacular. One after another. You know, I think about the thing I love about Donnie Shell, and I've talked about it before. What a leadership! What a leadership he used to exhibit in the locker room. I mean, he was just one of those tremendous guys who. Um, 
you know, he he just uh, he he prepared hard, he played hard, but he was he's a godly man who just had a mm-hmm. heart for people. I remember when my father passed away in training camp, my third year in the league. Donnie just said, he used to call me Wolfie. Wolfie, come here. He goes, mm-hmm. I want to pray for you. And he just mm-hmm. took me aside and just prayed with me. And it was, it was, it was very touching and soul stirring uh, that an older guy would would would. Um, you know, seek out a younger guy. Quite a bit. I mean, he was a yeah. very established veteran at that yes, point. Yes, exactly. And, yeah. So, and, wow. And that to uh, to take that on, it was just it really spoke to my heart, and it really spoke in the um, generational locker room that that the Steelers have always had. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you listen to those guys talk. Troy Polamalu talked uh, wonderfully about Mike Logan. Yeah, you know, right, how right, right. Mike Logan, hey man, I'm I'm here to you know help fill your tank man whatever you need i remember sam davis doing the same thing to me mm-hmm. and you know matt that's something that that makes that locker room special oh yeah um that mentorship yeah it's pretty unique i mean a lot of it to me obviously goes back to ownership which goes back to having just three coaches in my whole lifetime you know i mean like that's rare you can establish those things year after year and a lot of it started in the, the donnie shell era of course 13 rookies from his class made the team. You know, like, I, I didn't know that until he said it. I was like, wow, including a couple undrafted guys like himself. Even Cower brought up uh, culture. You know, he said, I've worked for two teams. I've worked for the Steelers and I've worked for CBS, you know, and I, both for 15 years. And it's all about the culture and the people and the people that were there before you. And there was a big theme with that with the Steelers over the weekend. It really was. Yeah. And it, it, it's, it's, it's a truism, man. Mm-hmm. I mean, as far back as I can remember, from the Joe Greens to the Sam Davises, who extended to me his, you know, personal hey mentorship. You come along, young man. If you got any questions, let's sit down and talk about it. Um, and I, I'd see him periodically over my career, and you know, and yeah. talk about stuff. He was just. I remember it was funny because I said, you know, I, I, you know, Randy White. I go, how did. How did you you just stuff the bejeepers out of him? Hmm. You know, I mean, you just played so well against him. And I said, uh, you know, what was your attack plan? He said, well, the whole thing about it was number one, you got to short set him. Okay. okay. Number two is you got to be quick with your left hand. All right. Your left handed stance, left hand. That left hand's got to go from the snap to his outside shoulder. All right. As quick as you can make that's it. Step one. Huh? That's that's the yeah. short set. Declare right away that that uh, this is going to be uh, you know phone booth fighting, mm-hmm. it's close quarter combat. You get that hand up. Space to operate, huh? No, okay. don't give him any space except for. And I'll tell you this little caveat to, to tell you just what a unique guy Sam Davis was. So the second thing you do is, is that left hand, that right hand, go to the chest plate, boom, lock on because he will pull you to the inside. Mm. But you just punch that outside because he, he'll try to quick swim you a number of times. And he says the thing about it is he'll also, he's got a head fake. When he does the head fake, step back. I was like, what? Hmm. He goes, you snap, you set up, and he comes up and he starts with a, a head fake. Take a step back. Because now a lot of people probably lunge at him. Exactly. He says, so now what you've done is that you've made him restart his next move. Okay. Because he's doing the head fake to get you to commit to close the gap between you two, and mm-hmm. then to pick what he sees as the opening. So if you just take a step back when he does that, now he's got to come and take another step forward. Buy yourself a half second longer. Exactly, which is which is an eternity, eternity right? in, yeah. in trench fighting. You know yeah, what I mean? Sense. And I thought, never thought that. Yeah, that's, right, yeah, right, that's right. really smart. Yeah. You know why did I? Why didn't I think of that? You yeah, know, that's awesome. But that was to me that that said everything but he about. He passed that down to you. He I mean, passed right, it down right, to me, right, and right. it was something that I could use. Right away, mm-hmm. it was effective, and I went out and played against Randy. It was something that was used that you know that week. I don't mean to like get off topic, but some of these teams, and it's become fashionable to tank. You lose all that, you know. Like, yes, let's get rid of the Joe Haydens and all these guys, even though we weren't a good team. Or tank for Tua, you know. Can you imagine going to Cam Hayward and Watt and those guys and be like? So we're in a, a bad spot. We're going to lose every game we possibly can. And then, you know, how do you reestablish that winning culture? You know, like well, it'd be like taking uh, T.J. Watt and saying, "Okay, let's trade him, get what we can out of him, get a bunch of picks." Yeah, and, and get a bunch of picks and, and lose all that tradition. That what do you think? They, down. What do you think? Somebody, uh, whoever said that to Cam would, what right. do you think Cam's response would be? <laughs> right, you know, they're just going to say, "Yeah, we're, we're, this this season's not that important. We'll worry about it next year." You know, like. <laughs> That, that's just a terrible message to create around. You know, we're built, we're built around losing. That's that's it's a terrible. great point. Right, right. I never even thought of it in terms like that. Yeah. But when you mention that, and then you put it into 
the practicality of like approaching a Cam Hayward. I think he would stuff your head first in a trash <laughs> right. can. Yeah, I mean, hey, I only got a couple of years left. I'm not, I'm never gonna do that to begin with. But these these players' careers are not that long. You built this amazing culture going back to the early '70s, generation, 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 and then you just cut it all off and start over. Like that's awful. See, that's the key. That's yeah. that's really that that really is something I had not even considered. Even when they were lovable losers, there was, you know, the guys that the Ernie Stotners and, mm-hmm. and guys that, you know, they always used to say about the, the pre-Joe Green era is that you might uh, you, you might win the game, but you're going to lose the physical badge <laughs> sure, up front. Because sure. it was, you know, they, they were just that sort of team, that sort of physicality was present mm-hmm. in Pittsburgh in, with the Steelers. It was inherent. But, I mean, I never even thought about the generational aspect from the, the thought of it. The never tanking. Yeah, if you, you know? just totally throw all that stuff out the window, we're going to totally start over. I mean, not every year from the Steelers' fourth Super Bowl till 2020 were rosy and wonderful. No. You know, I mean, there's some losing but years in there. But I will say this. You Matt, still have the tradition. You know, I never um, – there was not one season, uh, my my 10 in Pittsburgh here, where I thought that we didn't have an opportunity to – Really? You can look playoffs. at it like, boy, but you know, it's going to be a long year. Yeah. Yeah. It was even even when we didn't have the quarterback and stuff like that, it wasn't mm-hmm. something that you considered because yeah. there was such a heavy culture of good guys that uh, had experienced winning before. And you absolutely think that applies to this football team, too, huh? There's no question yeah. in my mind. Yeah. You know, the, the leadership. Era. Yeah, right. Yes, the generational qualities of that locker room, the mentorship. That uh, is exhibited now. It's in, there's some things that you know are I'm I'm interested in. I wanted to see how this is all going to play out. But uh, just to finish up this segment here with the with the Alan Fanica, um, I was amazed last night at his poise, his ability to um, first of all look good. Dad gummit, man. The man's <laughs> right. too skinny. Right. I think the man's too skinny. You got to stop <laughs> this running like stuff. No, anymore, he's right, just yeah. he's ruining it for the rest of us. <laughs> I mean, obviously, I didn't get the same post career memo about weight loss as Allen did. You know, it's amazing. Yeah, uh, Big Red is just um, just a shade of his former self. But what a former self! I mean, absolutely. You go back to when uh, you know they were they were talking about when he was playing tackle during the game in mm-hmm. Denver. You know, and you're just thinking, and he said. That was so easy. He goes because you're you're you know you're not always at the point of attack like a guard because they either pulled him or ran behind him. That's yeah, one right, of the things right. they did. You know, He's so the focal point of every play. <laughs> I was yeah. sitting there going, you know, well, easy would be. You know, us mere you, mortals, but... you really. <laughs> I'm really I'm in the tank. Yeah, but there's nobody helping me to my left. Or I mean, there's all this no, space. No, he makes right? it sound too easy. <laughs> right. I'm sitting there for 12 years, my 12 year career, and I'm my puny career. I'm sitting there going, doggone, he just made that seem way too easy. You know. <laughs> obviously a natural and a tremendous player. And I was telling you off the air, too, Dale and I did a little segment on Fanica yesterday, and when he went to his combine, he was, like, well over 320, like 330-ish neighborhood. Wow. And I think he lost a little here because they had him yeah. pulling a lot more than they always did. I think he was always around 310, 315. Okay. You so, know? I mean, he's his body's changed a lot over the years. Oh, my Amazing. goodness, yes. Right, it's a lot of discipline and, you know, dedication. And I, I got to tell you, I love the way he honored his wife, uh, mm-hmm. Julie, who's a fabulous, fabulous gal and uh, – you know his kids. Yeah. You know, and they they highlighted them, and I thought that's just got to be such a cool moment for them to say um, thank you for all yeah. your sacrifices. Yeah, too. I mean, it's because it is the pro life is not uh, an easy life. I know that there's no. a lot of shiny things and fun things that surround the NFL life, Without and question. it's great, no doubt. But um, there's a lot of personal sacrifice that goes on by the 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 missus mm-hmm. because she's got to deal with all the things that create an overabundance of aggravation during a highly tense seasonal-type occupation. Without question. And, yes, the money's good for most and hopefully for an extended stretch of time, but not for everybody. You're moving kids. You know, you're living in a city that you're not familiar with at all. I mean, there's so many challenges for the family. No question about it. All right. That's uh, the first segment. We got it in the in the books. And it's uh, <laughs> Tunch and Wolf in the Locker Room with Matt Williamson. We'll be back with more on SNR. This is Black and Gold Fan Back in the locker room, Crunch and Wolf, SNR. And, uh, you know, it's funny because we're just kind of reminiscing a little bit about the the Hall of Fame game because we mm-hmm. haven't had a chance to discuss it, you and me, uh, together, that is, and get uh, your perspective on it. It was interesting to me because, you know, going back, that complex was just phenomenal. 
I mean, it's come just, a long way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, as I was relating when we were off the air in '83 when we played the New Orleans Saints there at that stadium, it was then called I think Fawcett Stadium or something, and it was grass and it had a, a snow fence around it, <laughs> you know, like a high school yeah, yeah, yeah. stadium, which it is what it was. We changed in a gymnasium with a drape in between us and the New Orleans Saints. Our stuff was simply folded up and on the ground, and you had a chair, a folding chair. That, that was your locker. Yeah, yeah. Exactly, and it was. Nothing compared to what I saw at this marvelous complex, which was fabulous. The only thing missing, as I said earlier, was we didn't have uh, you know the replay monitors in the line of sight, and so it was kind of difficult doing. You had to find a rhythm in making the calls and stuff like that. But, as a, as your first day in the booth, yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, I'm I, normal, I'm, I'm used to looking at the side from the sideline. Right, right. You're down there amongst the testosterone <laughs> and the men and everything. So then. Anyhow, um, what a fabulous complex, though. They've really built this up. The whole situation is oh, pretty yes. impressive, that's for sure. But we played, and it was uh, in 83, it was very humid. In the first series, we played, uh, when we played the Saints, we played, went, run, ran on first down, ran on second down, threw the ball on third down, over the middle to Cal- Calvin Sweeney, who hmm. caught a ball and fell forward for a first down by like three inches. I remember they were measuring it. And Mike Webster standing and goes, Oh, rats, I was hoping we were going to get off the field. <laughs> <laughs> it was too hot. A little hot. different environment, yeah. Yeah, I mean, for Michael, yeah, yeah. Michael Webster would say, oh, rats, I was hoping we got off the field. <laughs> he didn't oh. have a lot to play for in 83 oh, in terms yeah. of making the team. Or yeah, yeah I don't stuff, think right. there was any worry about Mike <laughs> <laughs> making the team. Yeah, it's an interesting environment. I mean, well, the, the whole environment's awesome. The game itself is usually a little anticlimactic, especially if your team isn't in it, you know, right. that you care about. Everyone gets super psyched, and you you watch for 15 minutes and realize, I don't really know many of these players. But I took a lot away from the game. I, I mean... I, I thought there was a tremendous amount of yeah. value in what we saw unfold before us. Absolutely. I mean, there was a lot of big-name Steelers obviously not playing, and I would have handled it the exact same way. But I think they told us a lot. And obviously, a couple things I just took away just off the bat were... The defense allowed some yardage early on, but then toughened up when it mattered most. And I immediately thought, maybe doing seven shots every day is useful. You know, <laughs> the yeah. red zone defense and things right. like that. I thought that you know, the Steelers made more big plays than the opponent without question, including special teams and blocking kicks and nice returns and things like that, long ball to play pull. Um, I also thought um, the Steelers didn't make many mistakes you know, as a team, you know, which I thought was big. You know, there were a lot of people playing together for the first time, and a lot of those guys had never seen preseason football. And the thing I wanted to bring up to you, which I'm sure you've brought it up since the game, is I think you will be pretty happy with the way they ran the football, and not even the results, just coming off the ball with big, strong men. <laughs> you know what I mean? There with, you go. With a back with size. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we saw it in a, in a game, and – whether it was Bellage or Harris, they're not 190-pound backs that are scat backs. And the way that the line operated, yeah, there's motion, but they're all coming off the ball, you know? Exactly so, Matt. You know, the thing about it is I've watched, uh, replayed, I was just replaying it last night over and over. Um, And you watch, Adrian Clem's already got, has made an impact on this line. You can can see it. You know, I mean, Adrian's a tough guy. He was a tough guy. guy. I watched him when he was, you know, as a player here for the, for the Patriots, mm-hmm. um, but he was a tough guy. Every every line that he's been associated with has a physicality associated with, you know, that sure. play. Uh, like I said, guys that I respect, like Kelvin Beecham, Kel- Kelvin just can't say enough good things about him. Really? You know what he's meant for his career. Yeah. So you know, I I and I I'm one of those guys. I'm a big believer in Beecham. I, I remember when he first got here. You know, you didn't think, oh, he's not going to last. And then you watch him play, you go. No, nope. this kid can play. They find a left tackle in the third round. Exactly, or seventh round. I mean, exactly. Right. Yeah. You know, so the so fact if, is, if Beecham vouches for a guy, you're on board, then, huh? I oh mean, yes, he's been yeah. around the league, and yeah, knows that's the, the thing about right. it. You yeah. know, the personal interaction mm-hmm. that we don't have access to, but you know that you know people that you know that have had, yeah, sure. You know that sort of interaction with him, and so the thing about it is just watching it. Um, notice this number one, guys blocked to the whistle. Yes. Okay. Yes. Guys were efforting uh, to the whistle all the time. And the other thing about it was um, you actually saw them move some of the pile. Oh, you know, they question. just kept, you know, like, even, and I'll say this about Kevin Rader, by the way, He's just, 
You know what? This yeah. kid, this kid's climbing the boards in my book, man. Me too. I saw him pancaking on Kalen Balazs' run yep. with some other guys doing some things. I saw him on some other blocks. Uh, you know, he had a nice catch and run on a, on a rollout. Mm-hmm. Uh, but and real quick on him, like if you're see, this say, is the part I'm going to keep. You get things buzzing in your head. Go. Oh, first time we talked about yeah. it. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to say we want to run the football and we're going to use a first round pick on a back and. We're reshaping our offense with a new offensive coordinator, new lineman, new offensive line coach. Things like tight ends matter, though. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, oh, they do. You got a reward raider for that type of thing. Yes. And, you know, I mean, th- this is what we want from that position. Use them as a role model. You know, and we didn't see any of, of Watt at fullback, but you know, you use those peripheral guys. I, I think those five non linemen haven't helped as blockers enough over the last couple of years. Interesting point. Yeah, I believe you. Um, Going back to Adrian Clemens' yeah, offensive absolutely. line, you know, even the guys like uh, Brandon Walton, Aviante Av- Collins, uh, you know, six mm-hmm. one and six two, those guys. Now they're they're guys that you know they're young guys and everything else, but they were they were physically attempting to play physically. You know what I mean? And pretty clear has been drawn in there, you know, pushed in yes. their head. This is how you're going to make the Leglu. That's yeah. another Leglu's guy another that one, right. you know he you know he he obviously has a uh, desire to physically challenge people. Mm-hmm. Now it's not like he gets it done all the time. No, no right. Nobody you know. Right. But the point is, I was impressed with everybody attempting to physically play ball, like um, not positioning, but physically play ball. Yeah, that's a good point. And I'll be shocked if the number one line doesn't follow that up exactly as well too you know and maybe that's why kevin dotson's a little bit in the doghouse right now you know i mean it does make you wonder right. what's going on there um hmm. this my take is he just needs a little fire lit under him you know maybe he assumed that he's the starting left guard and you yeah. know what happens when you assume right right you so, know the uh and the, coward's not bad what's that coward's okay oh you know yeah, what right. i thought he acquitted himself Pretty well there. Mm-hmm. B.J. Finney played very well, left guard. Yep, yep. You know, B.J. is just – he's just brute strong. He's got that Brahma Bull-like toughness. Mm-hmm. Uh, you watch him, he comes off. He does. He plays the – out. it will do well on the outside zone, inside zone. Um, and the fact is, you know, that he, he's uh, – He's, he's a very good backup center. Yeah, I mean, right, he just right. does a great job there. So three spots you, he can help you at. Absolutely. Right. And you know, I went back and watched J.C. Hessenauer played better than I thought. I think he's getting better. I'll be honest. I brushed him off early in his you know last year. Like he's a nice story. He's a little guy. He looks tiny out there. Right. But he's well. He got bigger. Up, he's gotten yeah. stronger, and he's gotten better. Yeah, there was a couple instances like his when he blocked back uh, when uh, they had Leglue pull. And he trapped on a play, and it, it didn't go well. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, watching him, his pass protection and his ability to scoop on the backside and get to the second level to the linebackers, I noticed that was better. Yeah. You know, yeah. and his ability to at least neutralize a larger nose tackle. Playing Which is going to be a challenge for him. That's no going to be what. a challenge. Right, right. But at least, you know what, he's neutralizing and, and showed me some uh, spunk there. So. Mm-hmm. I thought he he increased his his value. I think so too. I think he's got a shot at making this team. Um, you know, we'll see. I mean, there's a lot of needs worked out with those backups and how many they keep and all those things, and that's something for weeks down the road. Um, what do you think of Green though? You know, Kendrick Green is a starting center. You know what I thought? I thought he he did not uh, embarrass himself. Right. That's for sure. Yeah. I thought cool. he uh, he played well. Uh, he didn't seem to have any problems with the the, the verbiage, getting the snap off. Communication and, seemed good. Yeah, it right. seemed like he was directing traffic well and didn't seem to be – there was no big bus. There was a couple times where I think he got a little turned in pass protection and, and he creates a, a possible pick uh, mm-hmm. for himself because, uh, you know, a guard, you'll set heavy, you know, and, and play kind of inside out on the guy. Okay. Well, you can't do that at center. You've nah, got to stay square. And, go, yeah. yeah, and so – uh, Mike Webster was tremendous at that. I mean, he was able to eyeball both sides, and, and it was there's so those st- famous clips of Webby going oh, yeah. backwards with the hands going back. Going, he's got the hands, he's got the eyes, right, you the know, feet and the hands, and everything synced up beautifully. Absolutely, right, right. you, you know. And uh, I think that's one of the things that Kendrick has to work at. Um, 
sometimes I think on the backside, like the scoops again with the guard, you'll the the guy with his hand in the dirt, the three technique, mm-hmm. he'll come off a little too fast, okay. and he gets he overruns the backside backer. Aggression's not a problem though. No, aggression <laughs> is not a problem right, with this right. dude. Yeah, absolutely. You know, he's got he, the proper he's not demeanor. Massive mistakes. No, yeah. I, I, he's got the proper demeanor, and I think the more he plays, demeanor he gets. Nice. Your head. Oh yeah, on. yeah. I thought about that all night. <laughs> That's you know? good. <laughs> I, I don't know about you, and I, they'd never admit this right now in early August, but I feel like he's the starting center. And it looks that way right now. Um, again. And it's not I got stone, but okay. It sure but here's feels the whole like, thing: we yeah. just saw pure vanilla. All right. Okay. There, there, yeah, it gets I mean, a lot more difficult. It's right. pure vanilla right now. Uh, Buffalo is going to have uh, a little different take on that. Mm-hmm. You know about things that they can do. It's going to be as he consistently progresses forward by the third game, which is the dress rehearsal. Basically, mm-hmm. um, that's going to be important to yeah, see that. Yeah, yeah. I, I I I agree with what you're saying. I think right now just he's in the driver's that, seat. Yeah. But. Um, I also have the uh, the notion uh, that you know you got to prove it, mm-hmm. and there are more challenges than just looking good in practice and all those things. I mean, it, when teams do game plan for you, and you said week one's gonna be a lot different than even the third preseason game. I'm not even sure how much scheming is done for that game. I mean, I know more than the other ones. I mean, there's less vanilla, but it's not you know ten different flavors. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. But here's the other challenge too. Think about it. Last year there was empty stadiums. You yeah, could, right. snap counts weren't a problem. Mm-hmm. You know, um, the communication silent every, yeah. communication was you know across the board. Everybody was on the same page. Yeah. Oh, you could hear the coaches from the opposite side yelling <laughs> at their guys. Yeah. Um, you know, Buffalo eighty thousand strong of Western opening New Yorkers. Day. Right. Opening day. Yeah. I mean, after the year they had, Josh Allen with the two hundred and yeah. bazillion dollar contract. Oh, you're walking I mean, into a hornet's nest. Oh, right? yeah, that's, that's going to be just day challenge mm-hmm. no matter what. They're an the, excellent football team. Yeah, well the Bills Mafia. Yeah, yeah. yeah be How many up. tables do you think they'll splat uh, before <laughs> the game? Free game table splats. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, that is going to be tough. I mean, for the whole O line. I mean, let alone a rookie center. Just the communication and all the the O line lack of continuity. Oh, it just I don't know, man. And I do know this: I ain't going to be the one to splat a table in Buffalo. That's for sure. <laughs> I've, I've splatted a few chairs in my day when I went home and my mom, you know, oh, sorry, mom, I just broke another chair. <laughs> you know, when she, actually she came out and one time she said, honey, please don't sit in that chair. I got a special chair for you. And it, <laughs> reinforced. Yeah, it was, it was reinforced. <laughs> All right, we'll go to break. It's Matt Williamson and Tuncha Wolf in the locker room right here on SNR. Back in the locker room right here on SNR. All right. We're talking Canton. We're talking the Hall of Fame game. In the first quarter, he had that uh, El Kabash there with the um, handoff between Chase Claypool mm-hmm. and Mason Rudolph. Okay, so the, the uh, they, they drive down the field to do the Dallas Cowboys, right? And so you got first and goal from the Steelers, I think, five-yard line, right? Now, Miles Killebrew and Trey Norwood, they combined, uh, and it, it was, to me, uh, just a hypersonic bookend collision. On first on the first down, and they stuffed Cowboys running back Rico Dowdle. All right, but both men, both these guys, if you watch the replay, you got uh, let's see, you got the Norwood weaved his way from the safety, you know, because you're in in red zone, it's not yeah, real it's deep. Tighter, right, right. Yeah, okay, but at the same time, Miles Killebrew came off the slot, and these guys just went after Dowdle. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was. That was a collision. No, what would you think of that? Yeah, it's great. I mean, I think both those guys are noteworthy play, players, big picture. Norwood looks like he's acquitting himself quite well to be Minka's backup and, and promising in that regard. Killebrew, there's three or four guys, including Balage and you know a couple of the other guys that the Steelers signed that people didn't make a big deal out of in free agency. It went under the radar. But they signed him early, and he looks the part. He's a great special teamer. He can be that pseudo Marcus Allen linebacker. I thought he had a really good game, and I don't think this is overstating things. I think Killebrew is going to be part of a, the the normal defense. Like it, I'm right with you, man. I I'm bet tracking he plays with every you on week. That. Yeah, you know, I, I thought I loved how the the vets call him Harmon's boy. You know, <laughs> okay. after Harmon Killebrew, <laughs> yeah, the, yeah. you know, the big home run hitter of the Twins, I believe I'm it was. Surprised those guys know who that is. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but Miles Miles Killebrew is. 
He's strong. I mean, yeah. you know, he's body strong. He whipped a couple of guys to the ground nicely, mm-hmm. you know, very physical. Trey Norwood, like you said, this guy picked his way through traffic coming up mm-hmm. on inside the five-yard line to, to stuff Dowdle. Yeah, I mean, right, it was right, a right. good collision. Safety right. depth was a concern. You know, yes. You know, it's starting to look a lot better. No question yeah. about it. All right, second one. Uh, second down. Now Alex Highsmith. His spinnerooski. Was right. that Dwight Freenish? <laughs> What I said about Highsmith after the game was, and I mean this is the biggest compliment as you can, it looked like he didn't belong because he was better than everybody else on the field. You know what I mean? He looked like the ones playing exactly. with JV. You know what I mean? He was way better than everyone else out there. That play, of course, stood out, but it wasn't the only one. I mean, no. just his get-off and disruption. and those, I mean, it wasn't Tyron Smith blocking him. I get that, but... That, that guy had played a fair amount, and, and second, he, did, was, he didn't belong. Yeah, Good point. Yeah. And that spin was so tight. I it kid was. you not. I mean, you could have spun a three-quart bucket on that thing. Yeah. I yep, mean, he pretty. was. it just was beautiful. I agree with you. I thought, you know, he looked large and in charge as, a, as one of those guys that's a varsity, as you said. Right. It looks like he guys. doesn't belong out there. He's better than I loved else. it. Yep. I just thought it was great. And I also say this, and here's another guy that, that's, that's showing up, Cassius Marsh. Yeah. If you look at it on the other side, he got in the line of sight. Mm-hmm. He took uh, the quarterback off his first option. And at the same time, you got Highsmith hitting the Spinarooski on the backside and uh, blindsiding the guy. Um, Cassius Marsh has done some good things. Not, yeah. You know, he hasn't been, uh, you know, he's not obviously an Alex Highsmith, but the guy, he's like a good, just a solid NFL player. Exactly. Yeah, 100% I agree. That. I mean, it's not good news for him that they signed Ingram. I mean, we, no. we just know that. I mean, there's it's a numbers game as always. Roche had a couple plays too. I mean, oh, he, he showed up too. How'd you like that sack? Yeah, outside linebacker came to play. And, yeah, and came around. Very impressive. Back. He ran that nice tight arc. I was surprised because he ran that such a tight arc on that guy. Mm-hmm. That so I think that something. that was again like the safety conversation a month ago. Outside linebacker depth's a worry here. Well, you signed Ingram, who we haven't seen yet in live action. Highsmith looks better than ever. And those two are going to be pretty interesting conversation for probably that last spot, both of which I, I think Roche has a bright future. And to your point with Marsh, he's an NFL player. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he, if, he doesn't, if he doesn't stick here, somebody will pick him up and he'll play snaps. Yeah. I mean, he's got, uh, what, he's been with six or seven teams already. Mm-hmm. He must have a great collection of helmets. <laughs> I'm telling I would. If I, you know, if I went moved amongst that many teams, you betcha. Some Steeler fans kind of wrote him off last year. He didn't play very many snaps. Oh. He got here super late. Right. I mean. The train was way he, down he didn't the see, yeah. yeah. I mean, you, you didn't see what he's capable of. All right, let's go back to the third play in this first goal line series because mm-hmm. I thought it was significant. And I think what you said you know, earlier, all that uh, seven shots that they do in yeah, practice, right, right. I think it's highly beneficial. But So the third play in a row, you got Trey Norwood breaking up a pass at the goal line. Remember when the quarterback yeah. rolled out? And so you got a plaster coverage. And along comes Trey Norwood, I thought was a pretty headsy play to break up that pass at the goal line. Yep, it's such a recognition position is the deep safety and usually, to your point, I mean, you're you got a lot of field to look at. Your eyes are, are very wide. Right. It's condensed in that you know that tight area. There's a lot of things, a lot of molecules bouncing around quicker than you know. It's like you heat up a balloon or whatever, and the molecules start picking around. You know? No, that's something. That's that's stupendous. <laughs> We're talking like yeah. uh, physics and oh yeah, advanced level physics. That's there, right. Yeah. The molecules <laughs> bouncing and his recognition like thoughts was in my still brain. <laughs> But his recognition was still spot on, despite things being at a faster pace and, you know, in a real game against an opponent you haven't played against. I think he's promising. You know, don't just brush off seventh-round picks. No. This kid has got – he's showing up early Mm -hmm. on. Absolutely. I I don't know what kind of special teamer he is, but that's going to be instrumental, of course, you know, in his contributions. And I'm sure he's getting plenty of reps at it. Yeah, I would think so. Um, This kid just seems to have – at least in a very small sample, we're mm-hmm. starting to see some real it factors in it. Yeah, know, right, right. He Showing comes along. Up. Yeah, he, you know, he's around the ball. By the way, I got to tell you, um, there's a there's a duo out there. Of, you talk about unsung young guns. A um, couple of guys that I really – Kelvin Bundage. You mm. watch him on the kickoff. Yeah. Oh, he is like a kamikaze along with Shakur <laughs> Brown. Yeah, Shakur Those Brown's two. the one that I was going to mention, right. Uh, I was I – was, you know, there's there's a third guy too, Jameer Jones, 44. It's funny. Last week, Dale published his 
first guest at the final 53. And he had Jones on there ahead of Marsh, ahead of Roche. You know, we should have mentioned him earlier when we were talking about outside linebackers. He belongs. I mean, he looks the part. He's pretty darn good on defense. And I think he's a pretty good special teamer, from what I understand. You know, the thing about it is you watch him on the kickoff and and some of the others, and then what he does uh, out on the field. Um, He's one of those guys that keeps uh, keeps showing up in the eye in the sky. You know, Mm -hmm. that last frame around the ball and stuff, they're there. They're there, 44, uh, 29, and uh, 33. I mean, you watch these guys. These guys are really around the ball a lot. A lot. Whether it's special teams or uh, defensively speaking. They seem to have quite a few on defense, at least in that game. Again, small sample right. size. Very They're small the football size. a lot, you know, and I'm excited to see these, these games on Thursday and going forward. Does that keep up? But it, it just makes them more recognizable to the, the coaching staff. They've seen it in practice, and now you see it in a game. It's like, we thought he had a chance, and now we're starting to feel confident about it. Like, I... I how do you how do you get let go of that guy? Or if I got to put him in there for meaningful snaps, I trust him. What what was the the pre draft uh, thing on on Brown Shakur Brown? Most thought he was a slot, and I don't think the Steelers have lined him up in the slot very often. And most I thought, think he did get a couple reps, but okay, I could be wrong. I, I'm not positive, but not on much. That. Yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah, I have not because uh, all we've seen is Antoine Brooks and Arthur Mullen. I'd say it's pretty like clear that, right? who they're, they're, they're they want to give the slot reps yeah. to. Um, didn't run a great 40. Most thought he would be a fifth-round pick or so. You know, he's he's got some ball production. He was a good player at Michigan State. Um, but I think is most telling about him from a Steeler perspective, of all their undrafted free agents, by far, he was the one they gave the biggest signing bonus to. Oh, really? I mean, he was a priority. You know, they, they probably had a draftable grade on him, if that shows us anything. Didn't have enough picks to take him, so they gave him a chunk of money to bring him to camp. And... Special teams, of course, will be his, you know, way to make right. a living for now. As Mike Tomlin says, pay his rent. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But I think he could be a slot. Uh, I think he could potentially be an outside. Speed's a little bit of a concern. But what what was his forty time? Do you remember? It was four six ish, which isn't awful. You know, no, it's not right. awful, but it does. But if he's got short area quicks, I mean, because there's a difference. Right. Between straight line speed and guys that have especially that. Especially if in the slot, if, it, yeah. if that's where he ends up eventually. Um, maybe has the toughness to be a safety. I, I don't know, but I think they're happy he's here. And, and Ain't no a good doubt. Squad guy, I mean, right? I'll tell you this. The guy does not pop a shoot. I no, mean, you right, watch right. him on that kickoff. He is bombardier away, man. It is like, mm-hmm. you know, boom, he's going down, and it's usually going to be a big bang at the end of it. Somewhere. Yeah, right. I thought he definitely was worth bringing up. I'm glad you mentioned it. Special teams in general was pretty darn good. I thought it was. Um, well, Harvard Presley Harbin had that. <laughs> right, he was amazing. How do you do that? Come on. Yeah. That amazing. ball just like. And they didn't even need to touch it. They didn't even touch it. Uh, but it was Anthony Johnson that touched it, you know, from the University of uh, Large Prairie Mammals. <laughs> Buffalo Bulls, as I like to call them. That's my man from Buffalo. You okay, know? okay. Actually, on that field, UB, I played in uh, an all-star game in Western New York uh, way back in 1976. At the UB field up there, University okay. of Buffalo. Yeah, it was. It's great. So I always have fond memories of University of Buffalo. But we, I, <laughs> I like to refer to them as the uh, you know University of Small Prairie Mammals. You know, <laughs> but uh, you know the the fact is Anthony Johnson's another guy that's been making some plays. Mm-hmm. Eight, eight three. Yeah, absolutely. And as the preseason goes, um, nice bonus having the extra preseason game. Yeah, you know, sum it up. Is, is right. those guys can play a lot of snaps. Whether they stick here or not, they at least put tape out for everyone else, or you know, practice, practice squad, squad eligibility, or you know another team grabs them. Who else so, are you no. looking at? Um, who are some other stand? How about some of the defensive linemen? Uh, I thought um, Davis, but especially Bugs and Loudermilk played pretty well. Yeah, I didn't expect. I'm tracking a with ton you. From Bugs them, did you know? something. Yeah, that gum up. We active. saw something, didn't yeah. we? Yeah, we saw him show up. Mm-hmm. You know, I was I was glad for him. It's like he, I don't know, somebody put a little fire under his butt. He better because yeah. I mean that's a tight position too. I mean, defensive depth to me has been a talking point for well over a year now. You know, warmly Mondu, those three guys we just mentioned, and you got your starting three. Like, there's not enough you know rooms in the end for yeah. all these guys. You know, good point. Yeah, Loudermilk obviously is a guy. I, I was surprised. I thought I was he was surprised. very strong at the point of attack. He had 
he, but he, he got off blocks pretty well. He, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know what I noticed was his lockout from his three-point stance to his hands to the shoulder position. Mm-hmm. He was precise. He got the extension. Which he was going to be his game. Absolutely. Because, yeah, yeah. you know, when you have a long body like mm-hmm. that, and you if you play pad high, you're going to get killed. Right, right, right. You know, right. and he was making sure to have that body leverage with his feet slightly back so that he was able to neutralize anything coming forward. Mm-hmm. And then he just was able to move down the line without getting his shoulders turned. I mean, Matt, you can't, you can't asking, ask for right? more than that. Right. I mean, if he can just do that from the beginning, it's a great start. You know, they've asked that from that position for a long time. There's obvious ability there. I mean, there's... There's clay to sculpt with him. Right. You know. Good point. Yeah. You know. I look at it and I thought, this kid just showed up. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? He came off, disengaged, got on a couple tackles, uh, saw him with a quick swim on one move. Uh, that was very nice. Um, you know, I just thought, okay. You Not know, there's something here. He's 6'7". Yeah. yeah. You always like guys that can be 6'7 and put their hands up to get the quarterback thrown out of a well, mm-hmm. as Tomlin always calls it, <laughs> which I think is important because – you know, if you don't have hands up, if you don't have guys that are able to get their hands in the in the quarterback's vision, especially when you have uh, checkdowns, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, those are the guys that can Crossing make routes, a play. Right? Yeah, yeah. They, just, they just create a little hesitation for the quarterback. That maybe somebody comes through with a sack because well, he certainly should be doing that. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I mean, that should be not a problem at all for him. But I think he's promising, and and that the the depth D line is, I think, a, a storyline to watch the rest of the preseason. You'll love this because I had one play, or no, two plays at defensive tackle in my college career. Oh, really? One was I uh, lined up and I shot the gap, and all I was supposed to do was just drive block the guy over me. Okay. You know? uh, I made a hit on a fourth and one against Navy. I accidentally hit the guy. I didn't know I was, you know, the guy just ran my way. Accidentally, I made a tackle. <laughs> so now I'm thinking, I can do this, right? <laughs> We played, the so hard. we played the University of Washington. We're on our own three-yard line, right, uh, backed up. They put me in there to, you know, r- the all I'm going to do – no, all I'm going to do is run block their their um, their uh, All-American guard, right? Okay. Just just run block him. The dude drove me to the deep, the deep side of the Syracuse. <laughs> I'm in the end zone. But this is what you'll love. I put my hands <laughs> – <laughs> I'm at the back. It's a it's a pass play. I put my hands up. Coach, That's what they coach you, right? The coach is running the film, and he goes, "Okay, good job. You got your hands up. You're eight yards deep in the end zone. <laughs> Not quite what we're looking for. Right. Here. But That's nice, you got you. your hands up. If you can't get the quarterback, put your hands up. You didn't. <laughs> Get half of that. That's I'm, great. I'm not putting my hands up. I'm tapping out. Okay, we're going to break. Here we are in the locker room SNR. <laughs> Back in the locker room, Dungeon Wolf with Matt Williamson. Rolling along. Rolling along, my friend, indeed. You know, one of the things that uh, stood out to me in the game, and uh, I really, I, I like this kid, James Pierre. Yeah. You know, this kid is really starting to make some moves. I, I'm sitting there, of course, you know, like I said, my family, my wife's, you know, she's got the kids out at the Grand Canyon. How about that? Oh, they're sending me pictures. They're out at the Grand Canyon. <laughs> I like brother, call my right? wife. I go, get away from the edge. <laughs> what, what are you doing? What are you doing? You know, you get like panicky, you know. But uh, so I'm left at home with a puppy, uh, three you rabbits, you and the, a bird. You got the zoo at home, right? Yeah, I guess you. Yeah, me, you in the zoo. Doctor Doolittle. So, <laughs> so there I am. You know, uh, I'm just watching more tape last night, and again, James Pierre, his his technique, I, I just. You know, I, I like I like watching the kid. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I can't say that I've spent a lot of time, uh, you know, comprehending the technique of cornerbacks. <laughs> sure, sure. You know, but this kid here at six two, he's got the long range, long body, and even when you know he's locked up in man coverage, he's he's it's a tight man coverage. It is a tight man in coverage. small sample again. Uh, given, of course, right. but it's just, I mean he's been around a little while now. He's not a new guy. You know, he was here last year. What? Not to pat myself on the back, but I, I feel Go like ahead, one pat of my, yourself <laughs> on the back. I feel like one of my strengths as an analyst is trying to think, Godfather. Think as those around you think, and I try to do my best to look at these teams and interpret their moves and the way they do things to try to think like they think. Because I've been in those rooms, and boy, do I get the feeling they think Pierre's a guy. You know, it's, it, they haven't dedicated a lot of resources to replacing him. 
They could have. They have some cap space. They could go get somebody to, you know. When you say a guy, just a guy or the guy? A keeper. Okay. Like, maybe he's Hayden's replacement next year. Like, I think not – he's good enough to keep around on the roster. I think they look at each other and kind of smile and smirk and say, we may have stolen one here. Right. You know what I mean? Like, this guy is going to see the field the next couple years in some capacity – Starter might be ambitious, but there's a lot of tools there, and he gets better and shows up every time he's on the field. You know, I, I love how you, you put that together. And in my mind, I mean, he really bypassed Justin Lane and, right. you know, a, a lot of these other stuff. Uh, you look at this kid. Uh, he made a nice tackle on a running play coming mm-hmm. off his coverage. and um, He's not passive either. No, he's not passive. No, right. Um, and, by the way, my nephew is down there, Maverick Ranger Wolfley. He, oh, good. He went portal. From Akron to Florida Atlantic. He went portal. You know oh, okay. They go through the, the yeah, yeah, I, I, I didn't know what you're talking about now. Gotcha. Come on, man. I'm trying to be hip with my <laughs> linguistics here. You just, you know, like Tuncho always said, if you, if you got to explain it, it doesn't work. So that I, yeah, doesn't work. We I, went down a side street there. I wasn't sure where we were going. But it's okay. <laughs> I'm catching on. <laughs> no, but I think Pierre's got a bright future. And I think he plays a lot this year. I, I don't look at it as an indictment on Lane, but I do think Lane's at a bit of a crossroads. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's, I don't it's think he looks be, bad or anything. No, but. he he stripped the ball and yeah. the coverage the other night, and Antoine Brooks scooped it up. No, was it Brooks or I don't I can't remember. remember. Right, what might be in, stored in one of those crushed synapses <laughs> in my head. But I do um, think Pierre's ahead of him. I I do believe that too. Yeah, uh, I like what I see out of James Pierre. Uh, his strength, his um, desire to mix it up in tough circumstances. He seems to. Enjoy the physicality of the mm-hmm. play. Um, the height and length, that corner position goes a long way. Oh, it does. You know, you play it a does. lot of man coverage. and You, you know, know I, just as a side note, because I'm full of side notes. Yeah. Um, you know, I was interviewing Mel Blunt down at the Heinz Field for uh, the Steelers on a, on a gig. And, um, you know, every time I see Mel, I just sit there and go. It blows huh? me away every time I see him. It does. It blows Because you look at this guy and, and you realize, okay, um, you know, it, it, he's like almost 70 now. Right. You know, thereabouts. This guy is just, he, he looks fabulous. He almost looks ageless. He you stands know? so straight. Exactly. And he's so chiseled still. But think about and... this. This is the guy that he was so dominant, they changed the rules for right. this guy. I mean, just how much of a dominant player you got to be? Well, Mel Blunt dominant. Yeah. That's I mean, dominant. it's kind of a Hall of Fame note. I'm sure you could walk around the Hall of Fame and find. Guys at the Hall of Fame that stand out amongst Hall of Famers, you know, that are different than those before them or after or play in any era, that's truly rare. And he epitomizes that. I mean, (laughs) he's well over six feet and long. He's 6'4". Right. He was 6'4". Is he bigger than Lambert when they played? I bet he he was. He was about the same. He was at at least as tall, uh, and they were about – he was He's probably heavier. Similar, right. I mean, Soup played at 210, 215. Right, Lambert right. would start off at 215. And he, by the end of the season, he was usually around 200. He had a hard time staying yeah, heavy. Yeah, keeping right. his weight up. But I remember when I first met Mel in training camp, and I went, that's a cornerback? That's a corner, <laughs> right. That's insane. Are you kidding me? Right, right. It's about the rarest of all of them, yes. to be honest with you. So getting back yeah. to when, when we talk about that, um, you take a look at, at James Pierre. He's got some – body limit you know limbs that kind of remind me a little little of mel you know mm-hmm. I mean, he's a taller guy like we talk about yeah well built um, you know he's yeah. not skinny not no he's he just seems to be well put together and i appreciate what i've seen thus far he seems to do well in coverage and mm-hmm. you know man and the other thing is when he lays off and those uh, wide receivers hit the stem at the top of the route he drives on the ball he does he's not stiff and no he doesn't you know he he drives right a little bit through, hip turn too, you know with a nice sense yeah. of timing and again with some aggression right yeah you know, i mean he's not going to back down to the physical aspects of it i think he has decent ball skills from what i've seen but want to see more um i don't know what their plans are for this year but based off last year They were near the top of the league in snaps with four corners on the field at once. And in order to do that, you got to take some good guys off. Right. I mean, that was when Bush was hurt a lot and things like that. But I wonder, particularly week one, I mean, the Bills were at the top of the league at four receiver sets. So are we going to see? Well, that's interesting to think about right now. Right. I mean, they're probably preparing for that. 
So are we going to see Pierre and Hayden as the two outside guys with Sutton and presumably Brooks, you know, when they do that package? And if you keep seeing it, could it even push to the point where, boy, Pierre's too good to get off the field? I'm getting ahead of myself. but Right. And then Sutton's But that's what slot. we do. That's you what we gotta do. you got to get ahead right, of right, yourself. Right. So in a way, Pierre and um, Brooks are, to me, sort of competing. You know, in the nickel – who can I live without being on the field? You know. See, that's a great Sutton, point yeah. because you know that was actually one of my discussion points. Believe it or not, because it, it was, I don't believe it. Well, that's probably true. <laughs> I just made it up. I think it was really you know is is James Pierre competing with Cam Sutton or is he competing with Antoine Brooks? I think he's competing with Brooks. You know, Sutton's going to be on the field, right? He's going to be on the field, but he should be right. But that's the, the beauty of Sutton. But the the other point of it is too is. Sutton, you know, capable. He they could just put him at the nickel too, if, exactly. you know, against yep. you know lesser sets. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it's kind of interesting because Pierre brings kind of a little bit of a a wild card to mm-hmm. the secondary another position. Option. Yeah, another, another option. option which six two corners are hard to get off the field that look like they belong, and unfortunately, you know, Sutton Hayden somebody's gonna get hurt throughout the course of the year. I mean, you're gonna call on secondary depth, right? Without question, you know, all year long. I mean, and you're gonna play a fair amount of dime and things like that too. I mean, having an extra corner is not a bad problem. No, you're you know, right. I, I agree with you. The thing that makes it interesting to me is early on, James Pierre is obviously a guy that they're looking at, and the other guy that that we've already talked about, but Trey Norwood is, is somebody mm-hmm. that's intriguing to me because, um. You know, here's the thing about it that that blitzability that Mike Hilton brought. Mm-hmm. Uh, I Arthur Mullet is one guy that comes to mind, but uh, Antoine Brooks is another. He's a yeah. big big yeah. body guy. But in the back of my mind, I also think you know, if if you could come up with a good competent safety, um, I, I I think Terrell Edmonds as a blitzing oh, guy. Oh, okay. I see where you're going with that. Then. Oh okay. my goodness. Yeah. I think, you know, again, it's, it's depends on the, the down and distance and the personnel package that mm-hmm. arrives in the game. All right. But we haven't seen a lot of that from Edmonds yet, but he could be really good at well, it. Well, in, in the limited that he's done, he, I, I just think he's got capabilities like yeah. very Hilton-ish as far as blitzing. It's a great point because if you look at their safeties, they've got a lot more Strongs than freeze, yeah, and that's the true across the league. Freeze are hard to come by right now, but if Norwood can prove that he's really capable, well off the line of scrimmage, he's never going to be Minka, you know. But right. if you could play a too high shell with those two and let Edmonds not Palomalewood up, but freelance a little bit more and play more, he's already the got the hair though, <laughs> right? Right, blitz a little bit more, um, be a little less rigid in his responsibilities, maybe. That's interesting too. You know, you see a lot of teams play big nickel with three safeties too. You exactly. Know? Right. Exactly. I just it was just a point that I thought about that uh, mm-hmm. somehow when you were talking about the molecules bouncing around, I think in my gourd, it, it got those two brain cells that I got left. <laughs> you know, they got them rubbing up against each other, and bingo, something came up with an idea. <laughs> yeah, and I absolutely love. It doesn't take much analysis to figure this out. Minka is your deep center fielder. He's, oh. he's rare in that capacity, yeah. and he. It is tremendous and as good as just about anyone I've seen since Ed Reed. But if Norwood can do it and you play five snaps where Minka might come down and cover the slot or uh, a Kelsey-like tight end, you know, like you could ask Minka to do a few more things if you have somebody that can do what he does. Just okay. more options. Yeah, just more once in a while. For, for you know, bucks, right, right. Absolutely. Bucks. No doubt in my mind, you know, I think um, – you know, I, I just have got a lot of respect for, um, you know, uh, what Mink has done thus far. Oh, and man. His ability to handle, I think there's ability to handle more stuff uh, like crazy, but at the same time. But you don't want to sacrifice what he does so well and makes exactly. everybody around him. It's a fine line, yeah. Um, yesterday, uh, out in practice, he had an interception. Hmm. Oh, it was it was a thing of beauty. Really? Just playing over the top bracketing a guy that, you know. Like the play that few players make. <sighs> Yeah, I mean, yeah. it was just it was just very sweet, man. I mean, and it looked so smooth. You know, it looked like the ball was going to him. He knew where the ball was going. He tracked it down, and mm-hmm. you know, and you like going. I wonder what it'd be like to have that kind of athletic I'm, I'm, ability, I, yeah. <laughs> anticipation, and yeah. You know, instead of being a bumbling, stumbling three hundred pounder out there, <laughs> yeah. heavy hoofer, you know, drill trying to drill people, right? You know, just got your hands up, though. <laughs> I got my hands up. I'm, <laughs> You Minka, almost had you a pass defense. You should have seen me right. playing, playing in the secondary. What if you would have picked that ball off? 
<laughs> they knew not to throw your way. I'd have taken it to the house. You That's what mention, I would have done, yeah. baby. You didn't mention that part of the story. They didn't throw your direction. I'd have taken that. Afraid of you. Think about it. 108 yards deep. <laughs> Rumbling, right? bubbling. Bowling. James Harrison. Down I'd have to stop at the at the 50 yard line for Gatorade. <laughs> <Get> a snack. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> a little oxygen hit, you know that sort of thing. Yeah. Oh boy, Mick is unbelievable. Though. That's funny. Uh, yeah, I, I did get my hands up. <laughs> oh man. They were afraid but, to throw it. <laughs> Hey, they knew we're not the test, right? right? Going that direction. <laughs> I can't believe that that guy didn't get called for being in the end zone. <laughs> Legal man down I guess when he's beating yeah. the crap out of him. <laughs> <laughs> As I'm falling over, getting crushed, I got my hands up. <laughs> so good. Oh, you talk about less than memorable moments in a guy's career. <laughs> I think was... it's memorable. Not all memories are, you know. <laughs> that, you're right. Into great life, very it's memorable. memorable. Right. I can remember I'm not going to forget it anytime soon. <laughs> Oh, I'll be in the old folks' home sometime and just, you know, I used to be a, a pretty noted pass rusher <laughs> slash uh, coverage guy. Coverage guy, deep safety. How many guys can rush and be a, a deep safety at the same time? Same time. That's Paul Amalu-like stuff. You know, right. Who lines up in the trenches <laughs> and ends up as a free safety in the right. end zone? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I can't even believe it. Oh. Great. But that's the thing about Minka, though, was, you know, again, watching his transition game, too. I mean, he oh. just, it was so sweet. He picked that thing off, and he was coming the other way, like lickety split, man. I mean, how did Miami, I still can't believe. That's what I was sitting here thinking. How do you, how, how can you be so, how, do, uh, how can you screw it up that bad? I mean, frankly, so, right. So detrimental to you to the your own club. Yeah, right, I mean, right. that one, that, that's got to, like, kill the clubhouse for, Oh, you know, a number of years. Yeah. Hey, don't get too good, guys, because they'll just, just they'll get rid of you. Exactly. You yeah, know? It goes back to that point we had before about building culture and all that. We'll take the first-round pick. You know, this guy's not working out quite as well as we thought. Well, you're not using him right. <laughs> you know, yeah, hello. Thing. Right. And it took a lot of foresight for Kevin and the, the Steelers staff, too, because even at, at Bama, he wasn't just a strict center fielder. I mean, he'd play the slot. He'd play outside corner. He did a lot of stuff. But to look at it and say, this guy can be worth a first-round pick as an elite free safety, and we're going to make that deal despite not doing – that's not our usual you know, mode of operation. It's an, I bet they're even a little shocked that he's this good at it. Yeah. you know, cause, I mean, he's elite. Exactly yeah. so. All right, that's Matt Williamson. I am the cover guy, Craig Wolfley. We'll be back <laughs> with more after this. <clears throat> So, we're playing the Eagles. I might as well finish yeah, this match. Story time was fine. Yeah, because yeah. Uh, right now it's it's beat down on Craig Wolfley Day. You know? <laughs> Telling you some of the more infamous moments that have occurred in my career. And I've already run through the Reggie White throwing me story and everything. No, that's but where Clyde's, it started off yes, the air, yeah. Clyde's, no, it started in university against the University of Washington in Syracuse where well, I got driven yes, in yes, the yes, end yes. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Clyde Simmons was about six foot eight, played defensive end for the Eagles, and we were playing the Eagles. And uh, Clyde had this move. He'd throw the inside uppercut and then uh, spin and throw his elbow about head level high mm-hmm. and uh, use that as a leverage when he cracked you in the head and use that as it's leverage. It's like a legal head slap almost. Yeah, it is. Right, it's, right, it's, right. It's, a, it's a head slap but with the elbow. So um, when he did that, I punched, and he went right over my head with the elbow. He you threw were a guard playing tackle at the time, I right? was. Yeah. Here is, he is 6'8", I'm 6'1". I punch. I'm like a little bug out, a tick in his chest. Mm-hmm. And he, he, he spun around, and he started laughing in the middle of the play. And he goes, you sure are short, man. <laughs> <laughs> and usually a big contact here. I just kept exactly. going. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Most people, you know, he would knock them unconscious with that right. elbow. And here, it went right over my head. So, anyhow, regardless. Um, Did you ever play against Ed Too Tall Jones? I, I played against him, not lined up over him. Was he that tall, too? He was. He was 6'9". Yeah. That's, you know, that's he a was, tough position to be 6'8", 6'9". He, six, was, eight, six, nine, he was touch played against him. Uh, I bet a lot of your buddies did, you know, obviously. Right. I trapped him a couple too. of times, that okay. sort of thing, trap pass. He was a long-bodied guy. Um, you could get into him. He wasn't really strong, strong, but he was um, He was just a, a great player. Yeah. You know, not much didn't of a boxer. Box, yeah. 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 Do you think you take him in the ring? Um. In your I'd, again, I'd have to take him into the close quarter. Yeah, uh, pound the body. Him. Yeah, go to the body. He was, <laughs> you know, he had he had a good jab. He had a really? good jab. Yeah, it wasn't I mean, much. Could hit you from across the ring, probably. Yeah, well, if if you caught the the his cross at full extension, yeah, you'd be 
talking like this and that. <laughs> so, um, but I got a lot of respect for Tutal. He was uh, he was a great player. Um, going back to the game the other night, yeah. uh, the quarterbacks. You know, yeah. I, I got to tell you, I thought I really enjoyed Josh Dobbs' work. I, I thought he too. did well. I don't know this for a fact. Again, it's just kind of a hunch from, you know, a little bit of a, a, away from the process. But two years ago, I think it was, when he had that great preseason game, when he was really on the bubble and they kept him, I bet that was a, a light going off moment for him that I got nothing to lose. You know, I'm playing with house money here. I'm going to be aggressive. And I think we've seen that from him since. Like, I, I might try a pass that I wouldn't have, or I'm going to try to run. I'm going to be a playmaker out here. And I think he's really interesting. I mean, he probably is the odd man out, but he's super smart. By all accounts, Roethlisberger really listens to him and likes what he has to say. And, you know, and, and I, I take some big-picture views of these things. Like, when the Steelers play the Ravens that week, who's going to be Lamar in you know, the practice squad? You know, Good point. It's not going to be Haskins or Rudolph too much. You know, I mean, he brings... Something different than the rest of the room. I think he's a really intriguing player in person. You know, I, I agree with you. I thought uh, I thought he looked in total command of the, yeah, yeah. Of the offense. I was basically in awe when he got down on his touchdown throw to Tyler Simmons. He's faced with with the you know cover zero, no safeties over the top. He got a bunch to the right, mm-hmm. and Simmons breaks. And the thing you know with that, that sort of coverage. You got one more guy coming, then you can yeah, pick right. up. Things are so you got yeah, right. things are going to happen quick. You got to catch that ball and, and get that ball out of your hand. And Simmons ran a great little corner route. He snapped that thing off, and he he took one to the mm-hmm. to the chest. Oh, he's tough. I yeah. mean, somebody eviscerated Dobbs came off the corner and grilled him, but he got that ball out there, hit him right in stride. It was a perfect throw. Yeah. Um. That, to me, that said a lot. It does say a lot. I mean, he's a veteran now and understands the league and the speed of it and. Uh, a quick processor. I don't know that accuracy will ever be his forte, you know. And he's again, that was an accurate throw, though. That was as accurate he as you still could put it. it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, what'd you think of Haskins? I mean, didn't drive the ball down the field a lot. But no. Boy, I like the way he throws the ball. You know that one flat-footed throw he threw to the sidelines. Mm-hmm. You know he was looking downfield. He didn't change his feet. They're parallels, pointing straight down. And he just brought that ba- that ball back. He th- it must have thrown almost thirty yards, right? But with you know across the, the field yeah, right. and the width and everything, I was rather amazed and um, very pleased to see him compete the way he did. People you know? misinterpret arm strength sometimes. I mean, anyone can load up and throw the ball far down the sidelines, but a, a play like that that you mentioned in harm's way across a lot of bodies, flat-footed, you know, getting it out with you know, a, a really good arm. I, li- I like the way he throws the football. And the thing that stood out most to me about Haskins, comparing him to his Ohio State and Washington days, he moves around better now than he did. He was a real heavy-footed battleship, left-witch, Bledsoe type, in my opinion. He moves around better now. He certainly does. Uh, you know, I was laughing because um, – my anticipation of, of what he was going to bring was uh, a guy just sitting in the pocket. Mm-hmm. Uh, what He started to move around and, and watching Roll him out practice. And, yeah. and he's been very accurate with the ball. Yes. I mean, I was surprised so. I mean, I laughingly always compare it to Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, <laughs> the movie, when they're trying out as to be like uh, guards at a mine or something, and they're, sh- they're demonstrating their shooting skills. And Sundance can't hit the broadside of a bar, and he goes, can I move? I'm better when I move. <laughs> <laughs> and Haskins, I was amazed. You know, it was like he's better when he moves. And yeah. In some ways, he, I was very surprised because I didn't think that I would see him on the move. No, I think he's definitely working on his feet, his quickness, his ability to throw on the move, which is encouraging because in today's NFL, I mean, pure pocket passers are going to struggle. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's hard. Mason uh, Rudolph, nice throw on the deep ball to uh, Chase yeah. Claypool. How really nice that? out route too to Claypool. Yep. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. He had hooked up. With, I forgot about that. That, yeah, that was, was a really nice time. Nice, throw, nice right? route by Claypool. Yep. But Claypool, I, I like what I see. You know, oh, he's starting yeah. to go deep. Oh, I think this guy's going to be a money maker. I do too. I love the way he's moving out there too. Oh. And I, I bet he catches that one if it's week one. You know, the, that sort of was a business decision that was a little too far out in front of him. And oh yeah, you know, uh, it was catchable. I was, but I was a little surprised uh, they didn't flag that safety. Yeah, he's sitting there in yeah, the cover two shell, and he put that that helmet right down the middle. Today's of NFL field. that usually gets a gets a flag. He looks great though. All right, well. Yeah. Don't don't take a flag, Matt. We can't take yeah. a flag now. Let's do this again tomorrow. All right, we'll do it again tomorrow. All right, thank you so much 
for listening. I hope uh, everyone checks in with us tomorrow. It's Dungeon Wolf in the Locker Room with Matt Williamson. More from uh, SNR.